0: Like there is, a, there is a, a, a danger, I suppose, with every job you go to in the fire service. You know, but then there's other ones that are more casual, you know. It's the nature of the job, as you said yourself, you know. I mean, you could go out tonight, the simplest little thing, you'd be killed, you know. You could, you could go to a huge fire there and there'd be nothing happening. You could go to a, a simple incident tonight, you might fall and break your leg. You might, I don't know, fall to a floor or whatever. Like you are be obviously on your guard, I that's the main thing. You can't, you can't account for the unforeseen. Any, it. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Anymore. And
1: we're looking here now at whatever, I suppose, five or six or seven pairs of boots. But those boots are actually attached to the suits as well, are they?
2: Well, they're, no, they they're not attached to such. We just have the, the leggings put down over the boots, like they, they are actually separate. So they're just ordinary leather boots with separate leggings. But the way we put them on, it's easier. To, just jump into the boots and put up the, the leggings. Um, we put on our coat, put on our helmet and away with us. Uh, again it's all time saving because as I said, once our uh, alarm goes off here we're we'll gone out the front door in a minute. So I in this any, business any, let's say if seconds is um is a bonus. Time is everything. Time is everything.
1: It's just after 6pm in a Monday evening and the Blue Watch, under the command of 3rd Officer Eddie Buckley, has just started a 15-hour shift. But first things first, everyone is told what job they have for the shift.
2: Right, first appliance, county crew, Finton Courtney, Emmett Cotter, Kieran Barry, Jan Sullivan, Tim Manny. Second appliance, Finn Murphy, Keith O'Callaghan, Kevin Higgins, Ruben O'Leary, Joe Keith. Hydraulics Brian O'Shea, John Madison Control Unit, Connor Callaghan Nightman, Jonathan Ellen, and the telephone, Ricky O'Donovan, Emergency Tender 1, First Chimneys Christy Walsh, JJDC, Second Chimneys Paul O'Regan, George Reavers, Miss Finbar Murphy. Everybody have a job? Follow out and check the appliances.
1: For the next 15 hours, these are the firefighters that will respond to any call they get in Cork City or County if necessary, no matter how trivial or serious. In addition, six other members of the Blue Watch are on duty in the 24-hour substation located on the north side of Cork City under the watch of Station Officer Mick Lynch. Between them, the two stations split the calls, with the substation focusing on the north side of the city, headquarters here in Anglesey Street focusing on the south, and backing up the north side and county brigades if necessary. The blue watch is one of four watches in the 24-hour Cork City Fire Brigade, the others being red, amber and green. When you're assigned to a watch, you're there for life. You only change if a promotional opportunity arises. First job of the evening, check all the equipment. Station Officer, Rory Kelly.
2: We're just after taking over shift at six o'clock. So at six o'clock we do um, a roll call, everybody's name is called out to make sure that everybody's here. Uh, once everybody's here, they're detailed then for what appliance to run. So once they know what appliance they're run, all the gear is checked. So that's why the appliances are out the front at the moment, uh, making sure all the blue lights are working, the, the crane is working on the back of the rescue unit. Uh, inside the appliances, then people wear breathing sets, so they're all checked. Uh, this is Van Murphy, he's the driver of our first appliance, this is our first appliance. How are you that? He's just after bringing us in from outside, making sure that everything is working in it. The people that are on this appliance also cover another appliance which will go to a county area. So they're probably down at the end of the station at the moment in, in the other appliance that they check. So any calls so that we get to the city or to the south side of the city, this appliance and that appliance will go. If we get a call to a river rescue or an RTA, road traffic accident we have disciplines, appliance appliance and the rescue unit. Like, we'd have plenty of equipment and plenty of manpower because your are always going to be short manpower. There is, is a lot to be done, like, at River Rescue and RTA, even though sometimes you wouldn't think that you'd need the manpower, but everybody is utilised. This station is manned 24 hours every day, whereas the county stations wouldn't be manned and when the call goes to them, like it would be maybe five minutes by the time they'd be at the station and they'd be loading. Whereas once we get the call, we are gone out of the station within a minute.
1: And is that something you have to work hard at now getting out in a minute?
2: A minute seems a short time, but when you're around the station, it is actually quite long. You would be surprised. All our gear is ready. The way our gear is set up, we just jump into our boots, pull up our leggings and our coats. It's straight into the appliance. It's hard to say whether it's going to be busy or not. A lot of the times it is busy but other times then you could go without moving. Now the lads would prefer to be moving because the, the shift goes fairly quick then or it appears to go fairly
1: quick. Of course, yeah. I suppose you must be slightly on edge or whatever, or expectant anyway. Well
2: you're 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 expectant all the time. Because like you don't know the time. Uh, it could be five minutes time, it could be five hours time. It could be five, six o'clock in the morning, you just don't know.
1: This is what it's like, you know. Sometimes you wait all night. Sometimes you wait just a couple of minutes. But whether it be five minutes into your shift or 14 hours 55 minutes into your shift, the response has to be the same. Out on the road within 60 seconds of receiving the call and you have to be ready for business. Every call could be a life-threatening situation for somebody. You just don't know.
2: Uh, when, they, when we're travelling out, then the lads are getting, if it would be a house where the lads are getting ready in the back of the, the planes, be putting on their breeding sets, things will be running through the mines, what are they going to face, what do we have to do to get into the house? Is there going to be people in the house that have to be rescued? When they get out, there, then, and this, they see what the situation is, they kind of just formulate a plan between them. Like, everybody has their designated job, and it usually goes like clockwork.
1: Eddie Buckley is one of four third officers within the Cork City Fire Brigade Department. Each third officer is in command of a watch. Eddie's watch is the blue watch. Eddie is over 30 years firefighting and has worked his way up through the ranks. But he still remembers his first incident as a firefighter. I remember my first call going off uh, and
3: I was so terrified sitting in the fire engine after doing my initial training. You think you know it all and everything else. And I got up my first call, and it was uh, to a hotel here yeah, in the city where the alarm activated. And my heart was pounding. And, uh, and I always remember this man sitting alongside me Relax, everything will be all right, you'll be fine. And you know, so once the first call was over, I hardly remember it, you know, what we actually went to, but it was the, the, the fact they'd been sitting in the fire engine, flying through the town, going to the uh, fire. So um, I don't believe it was a fire at all afterwards, but that was that was my first call, and that was the first thing I remember. You know, now there was many other situations after that that I, I could remember. You know, but uh, that was probably the first thing, and I still think about that. You know, how how daunting it was, or exciting. I, I can never describe which was which, but uh, it was an experience I'll never forget when the buildings went down that first time. You know,
1: nothing much has changed in that way. For each firefighter, every call brings a rush of adrenaline. With a shade of uneasiness for the unknown. The longer you're in the brigade, the less you feel it, but it's always there, just beneath the surface. 20 past eight and a first call comes An alarm activation in an apartment block. It's all systems go. 4,
4: from control, C, thank you. Control out.
1: Whilst en route to a call, the firefighters try to find out as much information as they can about the incident ahead. Once they arrive, they assess the scene as quickly as possible. In this case, no smoke has been detected, so they have to investigate the cause of the alarm activation.
3: Well, officer to us, okay, the Go ahead, Tord. Have any location, yes? Uh,
2: we've been told it's been down in the end building, it's an alarm activation in one of the half presses we're going on to investigate
3: there now. We get a lot of alarm calls up to institutions like this, and um, even though sometimes it can be perceived as being a nuisance to us, it proves one thing, that the alarm is actually working, you know, which is very important. A lot of them, thankfully, are trivial calls, such as this one, now we're going to investigate investigation in the hot press, but um, that's the that we checked out, it's very, there's a lot of uh, people staying here. Yeah. The
1: building has
3: been evacuated here now already? Yeah, we have, yeah, the, the, the the system within the building itself that when the alarm activates, they would evacuate. And, uh, you know, some of these type buildings, we could have that on a few occasions on the night, you know. Anything from a hairdryer, um, people smoking under the alarms, um, you get the genuine false with the alarm. And uh, the more recent one there, when we had a young lady putting on a fake spray 10 under the alarm, activation, was to say, we have to respond because we have had an occasion, we've had problems with um, when the alarm goes off and they're designed to do that, you know. Will I send back echo one? Roger. No, this would be perceived by us as I mean, a being a good call when there's no actual problems, you know. This alarm would be linked into the, the control centre in Limerick. It could be a number of ways it could be linked in. It could be linked in through a security firm who monitors the si- the system and call the, um, the call centre in Limerick. So, invariably, when it does activate, you know, they will alert us and we get a force system inside the station. That's Go ahead.
2: This activation seemed to have been caused by a hot iron put into a hot press and it's triggered off the head. The alarm is reset and we're after carrying out an inspection of the premises and everything is OK. Over.
3: Roger. I'll... Um, I'll return, okay. Roger.
1: So in this case, when when the news is good, you return to base as quickly as possible? We do. Well, e-
3: e- even though um, we're still here at the scene, I will now inform the control centre that we are mobile and available. So if they have any other calls, they can dispatch them to us here and we can respond to any call list. So we're always within radio contact. I mean, there's never a up. Um, regard to the service you know. But then you're right, we do we get back to the station as quickly as possible so that we are more central, you know. And sometimes it's been the way like that we've just probably been around the corner and we've been called back to the same building again. So hopefully you know that's the uh, the only call to the, the other apartments. We've, we've, we've more apartments all up the road here and um, some nights we are inundated with calls from, as I said, a number of um, problems, like the one you had there now with a hot iron put in, and um, maybe the, some fellow will go home later and he'll decide to do a bit of cooking, his uh, pizza or something, and fall asleep while he's waiting for it, and the alarm will go off again, and out we come. So it's a, it's a big drain on resources, but uh, you know, you wouldn't take a chance, you would bring every unit out just in case that you do have the situation, which we've had over a period of time. But you'll never know, in this type of uh, profession, you'll never know when there's somebody, as the fellow said, the station afterwards, was used to say years ago, you never know as we we're speaking somebody might be running to the phone. You know, and that's the way it works. I'll go back to the station before they know.
1: That's how it is. Race out for a call. Deal with the situation then straight back for the next and wait. By day, a chef cooks the food for the firefighters on call. On night shifts, it's mostly tea, sandwiches and biscuits. Most of the firefighters eat together, while some might be attending to paperwork, others training in the gym it is a real family atmosphere amongst the crew some of these men have spent less than a year working together others have spent twenty even thirty years together the banter is good it has to be you need it in a job like this
0: order oh, is there is there's great banter, you have to banter in a job like this anyway because if you didn't you would never cope in a job like this, and it's the type of job as well that we must be able to give it and take it, you know. It's good for the teamwork, it's good for the comradeship and everything else. As I said, we work as a unit, we work as a team, we eat together, I suppose we were on the station here at night together and things, so we're always doing things together, it's like, it's like a close family unit, you know. It's like being at home basically, as I said, when you're home during the day with your family at night, it's the same here, you come in here during the day with guys, you come in the final night with guys, you work weekends with guys. And you have to all pull together as a unit. And it's very important that no is left out on the limb on his own, you know. We as I said, we work away as we pull away as a unit together. And as I said, if you do anything out of the way, something gonna handle on you at all, there's always gonna be a laugh or a joke and to be you one day and the next day they'll have it in somebody else and it's like it's just a big wheel, it keeps coming round and around and round. But I must say that the work in a fair is a great job, it's a great experience. There's some great guys in the job. I mean Ask any fellow in the job that's on tonight or on the shift here tonight, there's about 18 firefighters but are here now tonight, and I ask any of them to go into anything with any guy in the shift, and there'll be no full of refuse. Like, I mean, as I said, we work as a unit, we work as a team, we all trust each other, we all know what we're capable of doing. You know, some fellows are good at something, some things, some fellows are good at other things, but in general, we have a good mix. And as I said, I go into any fire tonight with any guy working in the shift, because they're all great firefighters and fairness.
1: A firefighter has to have a wide range of skills. Physical and mental strength are a must. But what does Eddie think is the most important characteristic a firefighter should possess? I've often thought about that, to be honest, and I have often have to
3: question myself, did I have the right characteristics? But I have found out that one of the most important ones, from, um, especially from dealing with the public, bearing in mind that we meet them when they're at their most vulnerable, is reassurance and understanding. And I think that's that's a wonderful quality to have. That when you you meet somebody like that and they might have lost their house, their kitchen might be burnt out or their bedroom burnt out or whatever, and by just reassuring them and, you know, talking to them and offering advice and help and, you know, that is a wonderful thing to be able to do. And you wouldn't be surprised, it does help them. Because, as I said, when... When people have a problem, regardless of how small it is or whatever, they are deeply, deeply upset, emotionally upset. And, and if you can reassure them and, and get help for them, and, that, that, that's a wonderful thing, and we do that. So I think that's one of its greatest qualities, and to be understanding.
1: At about 1am, most of the firefighters head for a bed. They've had two calls to respond to so far tonight. Bed is in a dorm room, with four beds to the room. It's a strange feeling going to bed, knowing that you have to be down to the fire engine, dressed, ready for business, and out on the road within sixty seconds. Eight a.m. brings sunrise and the dawning of a new day. It's been a quiet night. We were just forced,
3: though, so again. This um, been a very quiet night. And the people have benefited most and that, of the people don't call that don't have to call us. But um, a real occasion, I must say. Quiet night. And at any minute, it could just erupt, you know, just go, here we are. And I probably will, sometime after nine o'clock, maybe we'll start getting busy. But we're glad any time we get a cold night, is a good night for us. And you sleep? I'm asleep when I wake as the man says, you, you, you don't, generally don't have a good night's sleep. You don't. You're there, and there's only one place that I believe, anymore so others agree that you can sleep, and that's at home. 'Cause you know, I was ready for the, the alarm, you know, I was ready. So then I said we were just uh it and I know when I get out of here you know, it's more real, it's more time I on this morning I'll get a few hours at warm just to catch up. But uh, get uh, my beauty sleep back <laughs> You yeah. uh, know whether whether or not you're busy during the night you're quite nice, you still you still feel the same way you still you're still going home warm at the end of your shift and you're still tired. Yeah. And that's the, that's, the, that's the same for everyone.
1: Yeah. A couple of nights later, I return. Tonight's shift is another 15-hour shift. It's just gone 6pm. Roll call has taken place, job's allocated, and everyone is checking their equipment.
2: Now, lads <clears> you know, <throat> we're checking um, river rescue gear in case there'll be a call to the river later on. And this is routine? Yeah. Well, they like you see, as you can see, we've all different shapes and sizes of ledge, so we've all different shapes and sizes of suits, so I'd want to make sure that they have the, the proper dry suit. you want um, a large person trying to get into um, a small dry suit.
1: Of course. And what, what kind of equipment now would one expect to be water rescued in?
2: We have dry suits here. We have um, personal flotation devices. We have helmets. So like what we have to do is we have to look after our own safety first rather than what used to happen here years ago was the appliance would pull up at the quayside and two fillers would be gone straight in with no protective gear with no protective gear but all that now has changed and it's look after yourself first before you look after the casualty so because you don't want to be bringing home some disease to your family that they may not even have a name for it yet so it's number one first so they are printed in the here. Right, I don't know if there's any call on it at the moment. No, there was no call during the day. They, you can kinda of print that and you get a reprint of of the last call. But um there's nothing there at the moment.
1: So when you get a call this is one of your first points of Yeah, we lock
2: them down here. We'll the lads will start putting under gear. That's for the first of planes, the second of planes, they have it hanging up on the pillars outside. Um the nature of the call is printed here. So we just look and see what's happening and our duty officer will come down and say whether there's one of planes or two of planes, three of to, to go to the call or it may be a backup of planes to travel to the north side uh, to back up land. Like say any house fire send the north side, Bellevelaine automatically go and we send a backup the planes in for here.
1: Every firefighter is given a number in each fire engine each night. Your number, or detail as it's known, Will dictate your job for the shift. Emmett Cotter is one of the firefighters in tonight's Blue Watch. Emmett is detail number two on appliance number one. In the event of having to enter a fire, Emmett will be one of two firefighters from the first appliance to enter the fire with a breathing apparatus. We're going with a minimum of two fellows, like so, that's why it's two and four,
5: and three and five. Then three will be the entry control officer who keep notes of where everyone is and keeping radio contact and five will go make down to a hydrant to make sure there's water. Um, and once that's all done, the second appliance will arrive then and they'll, they'll have the same details, but they, they, they can put in their three and five maybe into where if we need them. you know. So I'll just check my set here,
1: make sure there's enough air in it. All the checks of the firefighter's equipment and the fire engine can be the difference between life or death for the firefighters or for casualties that they have to rescue. So 180 is our minimum in a cock fire
5: brigade, so you can see I'm over 180. So just make sure the uh, mask is working the first first breath mechanism that I'm actually getting air into the mask. That's grand. This is my DSX here, i will pull out this tally. I give I give this tally to number three, he stays outside. I'll put my name in it now and how much air I have. So he'll know it on the entry control board how much air I have, when I should be out and where I'm going
1: who with. So 180 applies to the, the bar pressure the pressure, of, 180 bar and that then uh, dictates how much time you have in the event that you, you're yeah,
5: using the oxygen The ECO will um, depending on how hard we're working and how hot it is and how fit or big the, the fella the man is like, but um, he, you can hear there now that's the DSX after 30 seconds that activates if I move that now it'll shut off it's just to make sure that if there's a man down and he's not moving, that that'll go into pre-alarm, which you just heard there. And if after 30, uh, 10 seconds he doesn't hit that again, it'll go into full alarm, high pitch noise. And the only way that he can that, that can be stopped, then, that, that full alarm, is if they get the man back outside to the ECO and stick the tally back into it. So just make sure that if a fellow is down, that the alarm doesn't shut off. Um, if, he is, if there is a fireman goes down, then every search team drops what they're doing and searches for the fireman, unless they have a casualty already there.
1: All of the firefighters' equipment, including the fire engines, have to be fully operational and ready to go at any given time. There can be no excuses. At about 10 past 6, we get our first call of the evening. Within 30 seconds, everyone is on the road. This has the potential to be a very serious incident. Charlie
2: Oscar One from Control,
6: you're receiving over. Charlie Oscar go ahead over. one-on-one from Control, we just after receiving a call from, from the Mercy Hospital to cancel the fire brigade, someone accidentally broke the alarm panel and uh, as I say, they want to cancel the fire brigade over.
1: Charlie Oscar 1. Um, Charlie Oscar Last night a serious incident did occur in the city More than 10 elderly residents had to be evacuated from a sheltered housing complex The building was extensively damaged by fire Chances are never taken Every call is responded to in the same fashion You just never know the outcome Tragic circumstances are something that firefighters encounter on a regular basis. Deaths by fire, road traffic accidents, suicides, recovery of bodies from the water. These are all just some of the more difficult aspects to the job. Sometimes the firefighters are not in a position to save lives. Sometimes their job is a job of recovery. Taking a body from the water, cutting a deceased person from a car. Every firefighter has worked with tragedy up close and personal. Some memories are not so easily forgotten. Every firefighter
0: has their own story to tell. Leading firefighter Paul Downey. Well, one, Carl, I suppose one of the worst would have been Good Friday night last year. Uh, we had a bad road traffic accident down in the halfway in Ballinasig where we had four Polish young. Polish lads were killed in a road accident, they were involved in a, an accident with a truck. And to be honest, to the, as long as they lived, to stick in the back of my mind that night, the four individuals in that car, what, what was left of that car actually, because when we arrived we only thought there was only two of them in it, but when we went up and investigated, there was actually four of them squashed inside this little car. And again, I suppose, it was all up to speed, I suppose, in one respect, but... People out there today, they still drive on hard and cars have changed. It's not the cars that cause the accidents; it's the people behind the wheel, basically, you know. You see, even when you're in the fire, you know, when you drive along on the road, you see some stupid things. I know people are trying to get out of your way, but they do, they do some stupid things, you know. But I suppose we all do stupid things about driving every now and again, you know. Another serious one, I suppose, was a, a friend of mine, his best friend. We took him out of the river one Sunday morning around Christmas time, he, he'd uh, gone in his car the night before and myself and a friend, a buddy of mine and another shift, we went in and took him out of the water, you know? And that was, to me, it was very sad. It still sticks in my mind to this day, you know? Especially when I knew the bloke. But when you go into college, you don't know what you're going to, who you're going to come across. Even when the bells go on there and you will listen out for addresses, you'll be saying, is there anybody I know type thing, you know? that. Sometimes you get addresses and you know people in different areas that could be their house or whatever, you know. I suppose we're here for so long now that at the moment as well no, we have a new peer counseling system as well in the job whereas years ago we didn't have that, we used to come back from calls and we sit down and discuss it among ourselves and now when we come back from serious calls we have the crew will be brought back and we have peer counselors, we sit down with them and we'll discuss it. As I said, here, it's like every job, you take the good with the bad, you take the smooth with the rough, you just, these days you just accept it and just get on with it. You know? Once you go home and you leave the job after, basically, you know, home is home and the job is the job. What goes on the job, I suppose, basically stays in the job. I suppose there are, there are times, alright, that you might take the odd thing home and the wife might say to yeah, you, well, you're not yourself or what happened, whatever, and you discuss but nine times out of ten, you just leave the job after, basically. Well you have to especially if you have small kids and things at home, you can't be taking home to the troubles of the world on your on your on your back every night, you know. I mean, as I say, nine times out of ten, you the calls are handy enough but it's the odd one percent alright, I suppose the calls are awkward, or you see bad things, you know, but as I said, we have a pair council system and things like that. Guys sit down, and get off the chest basically before they go home and hopefully guys go home and just get on with their normal family life and come back and ready for the next shift again, you know.
1: Station officers have an added responsibility. It is down to them to control the situation on the ground. Whilst providing the best help they can to a casualty, the safety of the firefighters has to come first. Mick Lynch is station officer of the Blue Watch on the north side substation.
7: In my position as station officer, I can't take any risks with my men. Who I go with is important to me. It's paramount that they come back with me. In our experience, we will take risks when there are persons reported. That When we get a call as persons reported, that means there's somebody in, in the premises, the house that we're going to. We will take extra risks. There will be calculated, but there will be risk, more risk taken than if there's nobody in the building. I wouldn't put anybody into a situation that I wouldn't go in myself. I was watching out, like, you know, is is, is, is is that guy going to be safe there? Is he, is he okay? Put another officer with him and, Make sure that uh, they're not going into the unknown. Unfortunately, you, we, we will have casualties, and uh, it's something that the crews, that you'll have to speak to your crew afterwards, you know, uh, about the situation uh, and the bereavement, the families themselves. It's it's very hard. Like you, you bring somebody out of a building. We we brought a person out there now, and uh, some time ago, and we worked very hard on the on the lady went to hospital, sent one of our men, and the news when you come back is that we lost her. That brings a cloud all over the, all over the, the, the as, we, as we call it, the house out here, the fire station. Like, you know. But unfortunately, it's part of the job. It's, it goes with it.
3: We've had to change dramatically over the years to deal with the modern-day society and the needs of the modern day. You know, we have all these high-rise buildings, we have all these big institutions, and we have to, you know, go education with people and everything else. And we have a great... Uh, people have a great perception of us today, a lot more so than they did before. Because I do remember the time, many, many years ago, it used to be, ah, oh, they're going in and they're going to bed. And uh, they'll sleep then if they get a call, so they'll go and they'll come back and they go to bed. Well, I wish that was the case some days, yeah, believe me. Because it's... Um, we're not productive in the sense that we don't have to produce anything, but we're still, our shift is, is uh, whether we're on call or not, it's still busy. We still, at night time, as well we have, we're a little bit more relaxed in that we just deal with the calls that we get, that's kind of a downtime. But during the day, we have a lot of work to do, we have a lot of visitation to do with, uh, as regards premises, and uh, people get onto us about. Um, you know, access to their housing estates and we have to go and investigate that and we have to go and check hydrants and we have to make sure that everything in the event of a call, that we're going to be able to get in there so we do have a lot and, and people see that, we're more we're more obvious now, we're more evident out on the street now today, the fire service you know, before it was only call them if you need them you know, in the meant a fire or whatever but we're, we're on the road all of the time now we're doing a lot of non- emergency work, as I say, with visitation to schools, and inspections in different premises, commercial premises, private uh, premises, and all that. So we, we, we have quite a lot, and for that reason we are we're well taught, I would say, by the public today.
6: Instant, not recognised, street not recognised.
1: Tonight the blue watch won't get a lot of downtime, or see much of a bed. During the night they receive five calls. Alarm activations at a hospital, a school and two apartment blocks. There's also a call to the keys where barriers have to be lifted after an accident. Fortunately, none of these incidents turned out to be serious. But each and every call is dealt with in the same way. An immediate response. When you see a fire engine speeding down a road, Most of us get out of the way. We rarely think of the person driving that appliance, though. Getting to the scene of an emergency call as quickly as possible and as safely as possible is paramount. It's not an easy job driving a 12- or 14-ton fire engine, especially at speed, through city traffic or in bad weather conditions. Ger Ryan, leading firefighter.
6: You're not just responsible for yourself, but you have maybe six other people in the truck with you. So you have to make sure that they get there safely. And you're trying to get there as fast as you can, but as safely as you can. It is a big responsibility, as was for the driver. He's trying to think, plan a route. In the few seconds in the station um, where the alarms are going on and the lads are getting dressed, he's trying to get uh, a route planned in his head where there's least traffic, the quickest way. He has to recognise the road closures every night. Um, We have a list of them when we come on duty. So he has to remember all these sort of situations before he ever leaves the station. Our hardest task is getting through, we say, built up traffic, we say, in around the town, where maybe 12 cars will pull into the left and two will pull into the right, and you're still trying to get through um, and make progress, you know, driving these heavy trucks. As you can see, there's some of them starting 12 tonne up to 24 tonne in weight. Again, some of our trucks have what we call platforms over the cab, so they're high centre of gravity, so you have to be very careful in cornering and in the job that we're in you're manoeuvring in and out of traffic there have been accidents in other especially in england uh, with some of the hydraulic platforms when you get this what we call pendulum motion going from uh, swerving in and out of traffic that the central gravity goes and the truck can turn over so a lot of our trucks now are fitted with a lot of modern aids but again you can't you still have to go down to the driver and i suppose it's real training i suppose and just getting practice and experience with everything you know so a lot of our calls are probably in bad weather conditions where when it's raining heavily and there's a car crash and when everyone else is kind of slowing down, we have to try and progress on with what we call, we're trying to drive what we call, we drive to arrive. In other words, it's no use going 80 miles an hour and crashing and not getting there at all where maybe 50 miles an hour will get you there safely. So you try and push it on on the straights and again you have to watch breaking distances, you have to be watching... Again, it's, only a, it's not a super truck. It's a truck that's built around on a chassis for a fire engine. But again, you still have all the limitations. If you hit the brakes too often, you'll have brake fade. You know, you have conditions where your normal stopping distances occur in these trucks as well. So you have to, the drivers have to know the limits of what they can push the trucks to and how they can stop. When you come up to the traffic lights, again, even if the lights are red and you know that there's nothing coming, you still have to stop and slow down to the point where you're nearly stopped because you can't take those chances. You know, there could be another family coming through the other side of the lake. So there is a lot of responsibility on the driver, more than anyone saw on the crew, because then his job when he gets there is he has to operate the pump as well. So he has to make sure the lads have water when they're going into the fire. That's all his responsibility as well.
1: Every fire engine is packed with a wide array of tools. Anything from an axe to body bags to hydraulic shears for cutting cars. Over time and through experience, almost every conceivable emergency situation has been thought through and prepared for. In many ways, this is what the job is all about. Being prepared for any emergency situation at any given time. Firefighters are normal men and women. Fathers, sisters, mothers, brothers. The same as you and I in many ways. The difference is that their job can sometimes place them in harm's way. They regularly attend scenes which most of us will hopefully never see in our lifetimes. There are three probationary firefighters in the Blue Watch. These are the newest of the crew. They've gone through their intensive training courses, but being on the front line for real brings an added edge. Ruben O'Leary, probationary firefighter.
4: Uh, On the way to a call, your adrenaline is definitely up, you know. It's different for different calls, really. I suppose house fires and that kind of thing The training environment is suited so well to what the calls are actually like in real life that at House Fars it's more kind of routine and you go into automatic mode from your training to a degree. Um, Obviously you're keeping an eye out for the unexpected but in terms of your own task, what you're doing, it's so automatic. Other calls are different then because like at road traffic accidents or people trapped in machinery or anything like that you really don't know what you're going to get. So you wouldn't really be in automatic mode, you know. You're kind of in problem-solving mode then. And is there a type of situation that the average firefighter would dread? In fire situations, like, the nature of fire, it can... Circumstances can change very quickly inside in a fire. Anything like that, where things are beyond our control, that's, uh, that's kind of scary, I suppose, you know.
1: And is fear that something part and parcel of your job on a daily basis...
4: I think managing fear is probably a big part of it, all right. Uh, But I'd say for the majority of time, going out to calls, people aren't actually afraid as such because you do learn to control that in the training stage usually. But there's definitely an element of... There's definitely an edge there when you're going to a real situation and you don't know what you're going to find.
1: Within the last two weeks since I've started making this documentary, the Cork City Fire Service has worked on a number of road traffic accidents, been involved with a number of water rescues, attended a few serious house fires and a large fire at an industrial estate in Ballancolig, along with dozens of other incidents. During the same time period, four firefighters lost their lives in Warwickshire in England and a family of seven died in a house fire in County Tyrone. Being a firefighter is being involved in the ultimate waiting game. In many ways, you're waiting for something bad to happen to somebody so that you can do your best to help them. Well, we're, we're halfway through the shift now, it's
3: nine o'clock in the evening. And so far, we're relatively quiet in that we've had um, one or two calls from headquarters, minor things, false alarms. Uh, I do know that the, the Northside station is, uh, is out at the moment. They're still dealing with uh, rubbish and a uh, few other value related calls, nothing major, but there's uh, still a long way to go yet before we finish, finished and anything can happen between this and all. Probably at the most vulnerable will come your probably midnight and afterwards. So um, we're just ready, waiting and prepared. This is the way it is, isn't it? Oh, this is it. Yeah, this is the way it is because we don't um, relish the thought of going out to people's misfortune, but uh, you never know as we're speaking, somebody might be running to the phone this very minute. So we're just ready and waiting for for the call where we can respond to help people and that can be, I have no doubt, before we go home tomorrow morning, God's help, we'll have quite a few uh, turnouts between us and then. Hopefully nothing major but nevertheless we'll be out, we'll be around the city, around the county, whatever.
1: In making this documentary, I spent two 15 hour shifts and one 24 hour shift with the Blue Watch. During that time, we attended over 15 calls. It seemed to me that any firefighter I met was more than willing to step up to the plate to deal with any situation at any given time. I'm not so sure if I could do that. Could you?